Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I am your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with Billy Ramirez, a goalie who is also a stand-up comedian. Billy liked one of my social media posts a while ago, and when I saw he was a goalie slash stand-up comedian, I knew I needed to talk to him. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Billy. Well, I have to start off uh, by saying nice hat. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to, well, in that case, hold on. See, now my, this is my, this is actually my number one hat. It's my second string leather hat. Okay. As I I, I got my, it's got the sweat. You can tell. Yeah. I I got my wallet here. (laughs) One of two. So this wallet, I like, uh, same. They, they had put a um, picture of some old 1970s player gloves on there. And I go, I have a pair just like that in the garage. So we started exchanging um, messages and they're like, well, what do you want for them? I was like, I want a wallet. So they sent me this awesome Brian's one. Yeah. And so then they released the uh, series that had those particular gloves and they had this really cool armadillo thumb on there and that was this wall is like well darn it now i gotta order it <laughs> so bought yeah, myself I, a present so um so i have the i have an olaf kolzig one sweet but i'm thinking of getting um a similar kind of a is that a, just like a standard single wallet i don't know what yep. it's called but uh yeah i've never had one this small i've always had you know the folded one and uh i only got it simply because of that logo and now I love it. It's yeah. the one I use all the time. Although I'm waiting on new equipment and I'm 
I know. I keep seeing your updates. You still haven't gotten them, huh? Yeah, I'm contemplating sending in the old ones to the second string fellas to get a few pieces made. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want them cut up or if I want to hold on to them or what I'm going to do with them. There are some. I've seen some very interesting opinions on uh, second string leather. Uh, yeah. I don't know who it was, but because um, you know, I, I follow fellow goalies and fellow goalies follow people. But some, I mean, someone called them like, uh, like a, like a, um, not an autopsy room. So I forget what it's called. But I mean, someone was just shredding them, saying like they're just it's the worst thing you could do yeah. to gear. You know, to each their own. What I like about it is, like the Kolzig stuff. You probably never would have had a chance to own a piece of game no. used Olaf Kohl's like equipment, but now you yeah. can walk around with it every day and it, it's a cool little thing. And, yeah. you know, some of these pieces of equipment are just sitting in like my old gloves were just sitting in a garage collecting dust. They're not usable anymore. So I, I see both arguments and, you know, teach their own. You know, if you like it, you're going to spend the money on it. If you don't like it, you're going to spend the money to save those pieces of equipment before they get them. Yeah. I mean, who's going to wear the gear anyways, too? Yeah. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, otherwise, uh, like a piece of uh, Olaf Kolzig's pads from, you know, Washington early on in his career. I think what's the, what's really the value there? Yeah. Sentimental value or, you know, you could share it with a bunch of, a bunch of goalies all over the world. I saw their latest collection had a glove of Eddie Belfour's and they made a wallet like this and it had the eagle that was uh, embroidered into his block oh, or, or a glove sweet. on there. It's like, Oh, so that's, I, that's like I, on a birthday cake. That's like the rose. Yeah. That's like the, the, the slice with the rose on it. Well, I, I set an alarm on my phone. I'm like, I am going to get in there. The second it goes and like automatically it was already gone. I was like, so, yeah. how, how did I not get it? And then like a day or two later on the Belfour spirits Insta story, I saw that, Eddie got it. I was like, okay, well, really? if I can't have it. Oh, I suppose right. he should. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Well, we've been talking already, and I haven't even welcomed you to the podcast, Billy. Thank you for joining me on. Yeah, the, it's uh, my podcast. pleasure. I so I, I'm, you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a little intimidated <clears throat> just looking at everyone who you've had. You have goalie <laughs> coaches, e-bugs, and artists, painters, and collegiate goalies, bantam goalies, and. Uh, <laughs> Maria Mountain, Justin Goldman, who uh, I, I don't know how old you are, but to me, like Justin Goldman is, uh, is like an all-star because uh, mm-hmm. when he started doing the goalie guild and I mean, he's done in recent years, he's done a lot, you know, for, for mental health. Yeah. But early on when he was simply just putting together what goalies were wearing, <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I talked to him about that. I was like, yeah, I, I found that website years ago. You know, in fact, I think I was a uh, sports writer at a weekly newspaper at the time. And so, you know, I got paid to look up sports stuff and, yeah. you know, just surfing the internet. And I found it as I bookmark this one and check it out regularly. So, yeah, I've, I've been uh, keeping tabs on Justin for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I like him, but don't, don't be intimidated. Like if you listen to any of the podcast episodes, you'll know that the whole, um, yeah, it's it's a broad spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So goalies of funny, all ages and skill levels. Yeah, funny enough, actually, I, I know one of the people that you've uh, you've interviewed, SM Gallo. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, so we we skate in the same league, the same okay. ranks, and uh, actually he had a, I don't I don't I don't know if it's the I don't know the entire story, but he had something a situation with a loose dog, a couple. Anyway, so uh, yeah. yeah, so there's um the league the the league Facebook group and. 
I guess his dog got loose in the area. Yeah. Anyways, I, but the dog's fine. But yeah, he jumped off of like the third or fourth floor of a parking garage. And yeah, and you know, I have I, it's that play it's in my hometown. That's where yeah. I first started playing ice hockey. I have yet to visit this uh this parking garage <laughs> because so I like sort of kind of semi-retired in like 2015 and then since then pretty much all of my ice hockey action has been at uh this one remaining rink at valco this abandoned shopping mall just a couple blocks from the apple from the new apple headquarters Mm -hmm. the circle so i go in there and i this is the only ice time i've gotten this year is uh, at that at that rink and then but that was before delta and uh, ever since yeah. Delta, I've just been stuck inside. But yeah, but I haven't I haven't played at the usual the usual rank, the usual league in like five six years. Oh, uh, I did a tournament up in Livermore and up in Northern Bay Area, but yeah, I've yet to see this uh, this new and then and they're and they're also redoing for the San for the San Jose Barracuda. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it'll be nice to check it out, even yeah. though it's in my hometown where I live. <laughs> it's funny how that works out sometimes, you know. Not not just for rinks, but you know how many times we have to have people come visit us that we go see the tourist things. You know, it's like yeah. oh, you've never been there. So I think the I grew up in Chicago, and the first time I went in the Sears Tower is when uh, uh, friends of ours brought uh, some people they knew from Australia to Chicago, and they're like, "Well, let's go to the Sears Tower." And I was like, "Yeah, that'll be cool." And they're like, "What do you mean you've never been there?" It's like, it's "Nope." Like- yeah, it's the same thing but, you know, when family visits and, or early on and they wanted to go see the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Yep. So, you know, you never, no, like, because it's, it's there. I mean, we live here. It's, it's not the yeah. same. You know? Yeah. Now that I'm in Minnesota, whenever like, my sister comes to visit or our wedding, my aunts made it so that they would be in a day or two early to go to the Mall of America. They're like, do yeah. you guys just come here all the time? It's like, no, in fact, we avoid it. <laughs> because- I spent... Yeah, what was it? In 2011, I spent um, a few hours there before a flight. Yeah, and um, it was a fun mall, actually. Yeah, um, it's a cool place. Was, uh, I remember there was a in Minnesota. There was a there was a Wisconsin um, cheese curd store, like yes. Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay Packers, like right in the middle. I love that. I love the uh, the guts. Yeah. yeah, well, and then I also tried the flight simulator there. Oh yeah, so. so- any fantasies I have of ever landing an airliner are out <laughs> for sure. Like, can anyone land a plane? Like, don't look at me. Yep. A very good friend of ours is a uh, retired Navy carrier pilot. He flew um, C2s off of aircraft carriers. Now he flies for Southwest. Well, my son is also very much into aviation and wants to be a pilot. So cool. for his birthday, they took him to that flight simulator. Mm-hmm. He just thought that was something else. What does your son want to fly? Because early on, uh, I thought I had dreams of becoming a, a, a commercial airline pilot, but then it turns out later on, just as I got to know myself, like I, that would, I think it would just be torture being stuck in a cockpit. He, I, I don't, I think he just wants to fly. He's fascinated yeah. with world war II aircraft. Cool. Um, uh, just absolutely loves it. Every, every, even the video games he plays are, you know, World War II, you know, planes. And yeah. I, I don't know, I think it's called War Thunder, the game he plays. And what's really cool about it is to advance in the game, you have to research the different aircraft to unlock them. I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're playing video games, but you're learning at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he just wants to fly. He doesn't care that's what so it cool. is at this point. Yeah, that's great um, that you encourage him. Yeah, it, it's it's either that or, you know, 
he's going to be leeching off me for years. I'd rather it be the other way around, get him a good yeah. job, and then he can find me a nice retirement home. There you go. <laughs> so I, I think it was Twitter or something. You liked a comment of mine or something, and I saw your profile, and it's I saw a stand-up comedian and goalie. And, and I think <laughs> I sent you a DM. I was like, all right we got to talk. <laughs> so, yeah. And I don't really, and I don't really pay attention to my Instagram DMS, you know, yeah. I guess that tells you how well that comedy is going, but. Uh... <laughs> well, it, so not only that, but then I, I went to your page and kind of saw the videos you have on your comedy and you start off, you know, not only are you a stand-up comedian and a goalie, but you're a Mexican hockey player. Yes. We don't see many of them. I mean, yeah, we've had some Scott Gomez and whatnot, but um, stand-up comedian, yeah. Mexican goalie—that's a joke in its own right. <laughs> you know, somewhere along there, there's there's a. I haven't, you know, so I haven't I haven't written any hockey material. Um, so I obviously have a uh, you know Mexican-related comedy, but I haven't written any hockey stuff yet. So I'm just maybe just unlock something there. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, there's something. So let's start with the hockey side, mm-hmm. you know, because you're from California to begin with. And yeah, there, there's hockey there, but it, yeah. as you point out, even though the hockey scene, I think, is dedicated there, there's not many rinks and ice time's expensive. So how did you get into hockey in California? And on top of that, the high school I went to is, you know, very diverse. We had a, uh, a lot of Mexican kids and I know hockey's not big in the Mexican culture. So mm-hmm. those you had two things working against you. How did you wind up playing hockey? So it's a great question because I think it brings up something that uh, I, I wish the sharks would do more than they used to do this back then with a program called sharks and parks. So mm-hmm. I got into hockey. Well, originally I just wanted to learn how to skate. So I grew up poor in an apartment, never really got a chance to run around. So whatever any, activity i got a chance to do i would i would try so i remember the first bike i got i pretty much just rode until the bearings just <laughs> broke off and and then i got another bike and then that one i stopped riding when i took it down a giant hill and i biffed the landing and i bent the wheel and then so but uh, in the early 90s when i was growing up i uh, scored some uh, quad roller roller skates mm-hmm learn how to just do the basic skating off that and i wish i had them they were hot too they're like white with orange wheels and blue brakes i think they would be popular now and then eventually uh graduated to uh rollerblading just plastic rollerblades that i got that big five and then it really everything kind of changed was um it's a, and now that i'm thinking about it what an interesting story so at the time, I was also taking uh, these summer math institute classes mm-hmm. uh, called the Jose Valdez Summer Math Institute. And with these, it, it, these were seven-week math courses during the summer, and you could accelerate, uh, you could advance a year. Mm-hmm. So in so 95, that was the third year I had done it. And uh, 95, I was going into high school. So I was meeting other people going into high schools and started meeting people with uh, interest in hockey. And, um, and so I'm just, I haven't gotten to the goaltending specific just quite yet, but, uh, so I guess just meeting people and then, um, just playing out in the schoolyard, uh, pretty much it is roller hockey is, is, is the general sense, uh, is the general answer just, but it's playing roller hockey. And then I joined, um, 
I don't know, maybe time for another story. I had gotten kicked out of my first band. Uh, <laughs> and actually, so my bassist was a fellow goalie there also. His name is Devin DiNardo. Uh, I'll send him this link. Yeah, he'll, he'll enjoy this. I'll send him this link. His name is Devin DiNardo. And uh, so he's my bassist. And just being a 20-year-old punk, I just I got kicked out for being a punk. And, uh, and so uh, my time was free. I had new interest in, in, in playing goalie. So I signed up free agents list at the uh at the local roller hockey rink rolling ice at the santa clara county fairgrounds uh which is owned by dave maley the former nhler um and now you know he's got a new facility and then from there um so i i did the free agent list and then i joined my first actual team the next season and then just kind of joined one team then joined another like a a team that was an offshoot of that and then and more teams and more and more teams and then eventually started dabbling into ice hockey and um it would have been much easier back then because i or uh, would have been much easier now because there's so many more rinks but mm-hmm. uh back then so let's see there was the two rolling ice was two roller hockey rinks i think at the time sharks ice was two sheets maybe just one it was either one or two sheets at the time um center center north and then there was also this half rink called hockey workout on fourth street over by K- the, the ksj um radio station which was my favorite at the time mandatory metallica <laughs> anyway so i'm, I'm kind of just drifting along because i'm just remembering a lot of good memories um so hockey workout was it was a half rink uh where you could play three on three and then there was also like this little tiny like sheet were with a net and crease mm-hmm. and really there was the first time i ever put skates on i rented skates and that was my first ice experience and then um somehow i don't know how i got roped into um, playing ice hockey at shark's eyes but i guess it's just meeting people and I, but I, I do remember i got a, it was during school i was at Santa, i was going to santa Clara university and they're like do you want to play hockey tonight I'm like Okay, sure. And so I didn't, I didn't really have any chance to be worried about my first ever ice hockey game. But um, overall, this general story, but I would say, you know, the huge catalyst was, you know, uh, uh, the rollerblading culture of California. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, PBH was, uh, was, you know, was huge there. Um, that was amazing. And, I loved watching that. Yeah. And then also, um, uh, so you're playing roller hockey and going on ice hockey, but the Sharks had used to have these Sharks and Parks programs um, where you could play roller hockey outdoor roller hockey and also um, street hockey. And um, so you mentioned Al Montoya. So Al Montoya has got a new position with the Dallas stars uh, where he's going to, you know, try to increase outreach to the Latino community. And there's Javier Gutierrez and sorry, let me go back. Javier Gutierrez, (laughs) Javier Gutierrez with the Arizona coyotes, you know, but the sharks don't have anything like that um they they had a spanish language twitter for a while that's been inactive and i tweeted at them you know can i just have it i'll do it um but yeah so generally i would say roller hockey but also there was there was a relationship mm-hmm. with with a local team that yeah, I, don't, I don't really see nowadays but maybe just because i'm old yeah so. and you know i i think you see NHL teams kind of cyclically go through that. You know, the, yeah. the Blackhawks, when they were winning, they were doing a lot of that community outreach. I don't hear of as much of it these days, but they still, they're still doing some. St. Louis, I'm hearing more of it now that they've won a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. So it is uh, kind of fun when you go a couple years down the line and see how many of those kids stuck with the sport and uh, 
really grew a love for it. So you just kind of started skating. What was it about goalie where, you know, you caught that puck and caught that puck? Um, so I was, I had notes, but also when I was retelling the story, I just remembered something that, um, in, in that 95, the third year that I was doing that summer, uh, Institute, that was the first time I ever saw a great skate catalog. So I think <laughs> that was what baked it in. Yeah. But a few months prior, um, um, what that was, so 95 was when Wade Flaherty made 56 saves in game seven against, uh, the Calgary flames mm-hmm. in double overtime. And so I had, I had watched the end of a Sharks Canucks game earlier that season in February. And I do remember specifically Wade Flaherty made a split save post to post split save at the very end uh, to preserve the one, one tie. Didn't know, didn't know anything about hockey, but I just thought it was cool. And then eventually figured out the Sharks had two goalies and I just liked the goalie with the black pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the, the, and Archie could do the splits, but Archie looked like about a foot shorter. Yep. And Wade Flaherty just looked taller. And he, uh, to me, he looked cooler. He had a yeah. uh, white mask and all black gear. And, but really, um, so that game seven, uh, it was on a Friday night and I had just finished selling chocks for a fundraiser for a high school for uh, my middle school fundraiser. Um, so I was, it was Friday night and I had just finished 7.30 on local television. I decided to watch the game and that was the first full game I ever watched. Uh, I went to double overtime and the Sharks won um, 5-4. Wade Flaherty made 56 saves and it was pretty much a life-changing experience from there. And then so that, that got me interested in the, in, in, in the position. But now thinking about it, that great skate catalog and seeing pictures of gear right in front of me. Yep. That had to have been it. That had to have been it. There's just something about those old gear catalogs. Kids today won't even realize, you know, what it was like. It's just looking at the same thing, page and through, you know, because now they go online and they have the customizers and everything else. It was like, no, we we got usually a black and white photo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was like, oh, man, those would be awesome. And you had to use your imagination to customize them and yeah. I remember, I forget what exactly what pad it was, but um, uh, the feature was that it had a really deep channel. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wow, that was, that was, was a different time. Like, yeah. Right about those really, really deep leg channels. My current pads, I, that was a selling point. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Well, I bought them in 1999. So, you know, they, they weren't too far well, removed from that. So I listened. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you have? Um, I have Vaughn Legacies. It's uh, essentially you have this, the four thousands. Yes, right. Essentially, what Belfour had in the four thousands, the yeah, the the circles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now. I, yeah. I'm, so, because I'm thinking, yeah, it must have been a Vaughn pad. Because I, I mean, I mean, I was immediately hooked on Vaughn. Yeah. Because um, also Wade Flaherty at the time wore Vaughn, um, but to me, just Vaughn seemed like the goalie company. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't know much. Probably there was probably a chance there, there was there might have been some Vaughn gear on the cover. Yeah, there's probably thinking, some Coopers in there. I'm thinking it might have been the Vaughn Legacy. No, the Vaughn Visions with the with the triangle. Oh the, yeah, kind of the triangle were, stripe in the mid '90s. Yeah, those were cool. yeah, that uh, Chris Osgood and yeah. uh, Jeff Hackett wore. Speaking of, here's my uh, freshly refurbished uh, nice. SK 2000 from Matt Weiler. Um, so I, I got to ask about that because on your website, you've got that sweet mask and I've yes. worn, I wore one of those in college actually, not 
I had the Hasha cage, but then you got that sweet Richter mask. Yeah. Um, which, which one's your go-to mask when you go out there? Is it like a Sophie's choice every skate or what? That is a good. So I, if, if I had a composite SK 2000, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really the only, the only reason I don't use the SK 2000 uh, more is just because it, it's getting expensive. Parts are expensive. Yep. I don't want to see them get hurt. So um, <laughs> the black, so the black one had a thinner gauge uh, cage and, um, I took a puck to it and it dented it over at, at the rink. Yeah. So then I retired that one and then the foam started to get hard and I kind of just pretty much forgot about it. And then the, the red one, I'd use it for a while, but the, uh, the structure for the foam broke off. And then, so I would have to shift it and then put yep. it on. And then, so just kind of, so by default, my, uh, the mask became my go-to. I might but, have to send you the link to these. I had my masks on these mounted on the wall for a while. Oh yeah. I should get something like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Have to find the Amazon link and send it to you. Cause yeah. those two were hung up over there and then we thought we might sell. So I had to take everything down and paint and haven't yeah. put them back up yet. <laughs> yeah. If, but if I had a composite SK 2000 combo, I think I would use that. Um, one of my uh, college my per- teammates has one my, of those and yeah, he loves and, it. In my imaginary NHL career, I think I'd still be rocking one of those. <laughs> well, I, I switched to the Hashik style combo in college uh, about midway through my freshman year. I got a pretty good concussion, and I don't know why, but I was like, you know what, a player helmet. I want a player helmet instead. And so I went with that Hashik combo, and I absolutely loved it. The It was light, the, the peripheral vision. As good as any mask is, that peripheral vision yeah. of those helmets is unmatched. And I didn't have the dangler, so I had that range of motion to look all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did put back then in college, you couldn't wear a cat eye. That's why I didn't have the combo like you have right now. But I did put that cage on in the summertime. And I don't know if I just have a long horse face or what, but my chin was always coming down below the bumper. So I was like, ah, I'm not crazy about this one. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm no mask maker or anything of the sort, but I think there, there's some advantage. And also I, I haven't played any sort of high level, you know, against mm-hmm. pros. So, you know, um, I haven't taken a 95 mile an hour <laughs> wrist or to the dome, but I think that there are some advantages to, to the combos because I mean, most of the structure is off your, you know, your temples, the side of your mm-hmm. head, your forehead, and then kind of like the disposable part is off your face. Right. And um, so I saw, you know, so I've seen it with Kerry um, Price, Craig Anderson, Mackenzie Blackwood, where the bottom of the cage window, I mean, it, or and the cage is right up, right up against her teeth. Yep. So one shot is just going to knock her teeth out. And that happened to all, all three of them. Yeah. Yep. So either, you know, maybe, a, and, and also on the cheek, um, I don't see a lot of padding on the cheek. Um yeah, so often the times a mask is just right there with a little bit of, um, so I think there's room for more improvement for regular masks and um, I don't know, I'm no mask maker, but. Yeah, it, it's since, ever since Don Strauss and his armadillo, we haven't I was just seen gonna much say, Yeah, innovation. I was going to say, I was going to say like, so, I mean, Don Strauss, I, he gets it. It's yeah. Padding, a lot of padding, get the material off the, the head, the face. Yeah, I mean, here's yeah. the vintage Tendi magazine with this whole whole deal talking about it. And- exactly. I, I remember. Um, have you ever watched the 1994 New York Ranger Stanley Cup video? And 
Uh, but there's a lot of shots of Mike Richter from the side and his, mm-hmm. and his center bar is like right on his, right on his nose. And like, well, I know it you was, like that vision, but it's, it was kind of bent in the yeah. finals. I remember, but um, yeah, yeah I, and a lot of goalies, they just like the, the, you know, the cage really close. And, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. I've never had my nose broken and I don't want it to get broken from a shot. Yeah, same. <laughs> you know, um, so not only do you have the sweet combo and the sweet Richter mask, but the pictures I saw on your website, you have one sweet looking set of coho pads. The coho, yeah, the 586s. Yeah. So what was the determining factor behind them? Was it just because they look so sweet or, you know? So number one, it, it was the name coho. It's just yep. a name I hadn't heard. So if, if somehow Goalie Monkey Bus had a Cooper line of gear, I'll probably buy it. <laughs> Or uh, I don't know. I have a D, you know, DR, but it, it really, it was a lot of it's the name. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, really, the first set of pad, actual pads I ever put on were uh, were coho with the teal shark that were rented. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, at the time I was looking for a new set of pads and saw that coho was coming out, and you know, having you know uh, gotten the bug in the '90s, whether I like it or not, Patrick was a bit an influence. Yep. Um, and so I just, I just had to have some he influenced all of us yeah. in one way or another. And it, it's funny because the picture I shared today, I got my pair of cohos on that I had in high school. And uh, yeah, the, the, they were quality, you know, pads. They had quality equipment back then. It was kind of sad yeah. to see them go. And the fact that you're wearing a D, DR shirt makes me smile because uh, I used to have this sweet neck protectors like the t-shirt kind and it was my one of my all-time favorite pieces of equipment because it was just a t-shirt you know short sleeves and it had a nice uh clavicle protector and the old 80s style roll neck protector is what yeah. it was but the padding all came out so you could wash it after every skate if you wanted to and it not get you know gross like most neck protectors and it was just a sweet piece of equipment and then my first pair of goalie pants were uh dnr dnr do you ever have any uh any giant dnr catchers i i didn't have the giant catcher but i knew some kids that did um in fact the the one kid i know that had one had that goofy cooper helmet that they used for the uh, robot in mystery science theater he wore one of those masks and had the giant DNR catcher too. Yeah. I missed out on a lot of that really big gear. Um, Cause I started getting into gear, the mid to late nineties mm-hmm. gear was starting to get a little, little, maybe a little smaller, but I do yeah. remember saying at one point at a local uh, plate again, I did see, uh, was it the Cooper double web? Yes. Like a, one of those huge Cooper uh, double web gloves. And then also in high school, I had a, a classmate who, uh, played in the local teams and he was also a, an influence in goaltending because uh he was actually he'd walk around with a dented at the, i didn't know what it was at the time but now i just it's a dented hm30 and then mm-hmm. um so i would see this random guy then the next year i had him in class and by that time i knew a little bit about hockey i asked him about him so he made the story about how the shot saved his life and whatever but you know um but he was a he was an olive on guy and um where was I going with this? Sorry. I mean, I'm just excited talking goaltending. Yeah. Well, thinking the, about the Patrick Waugh in the 90s and all that. that. That's the thing about uh, 
when you get two goalies talking, we, we get on tangents, but uh, because we've taken too many pucks to the head, we also forget what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's not uncommon with uh, my these discussions, so it's great. Now, we're going to keep talking hockey. Don't mm-hmm. worry. But I want to touch upon the stand-up comedy side of it. That isn't something people just go into lightly. You have to have a passion for it, just like you have to have a passion to keep playing hockey at our age because you're talking about getting into high school around 95. So we're, we're mm-hmm. the same vintage as I like to say, I'm a 99 grad. Yeah. Um, where did this pa- where did this passion for stand-up comedy come from? Well, um, I, I guess the, the easy answer is that I had a rough childhood uh, <laughs> and my sense of humor, uh, you know, came out of that. Uh, I mean, it really is. I mean, there's a reason, I mean, there's a reason why I go on stage trying to find, you know, trying to get validation from strangers, you know, people mm-hmm. I haven't met, but um, are you looking for like a specific CD or a specific moment? Uh, I, you know, I've always been sort of uh, not the class clown, but like they say, like, were you the class clown or were you the person who secretly thought they were funnier than the class clown? Mm-hmm. That, that was me. Okay. Um, but um, I guess I've always had just, a bit of that personality in high school i did a lot of rallies and uh sketches and um i did one where uh, uh for a spanish class where some classmates and, and i we sold uh a spanglish uh language course <laughs> you know just basically teaching you know teaching uh parents and kids how to communicate via spanglish and we did it live in front of the for the whole high school we uh, we won the town show but um so overall was this kind of being outgoing the youngest youngest child i guess you know that probably plays a little bit into it um i also i'm also a drummer i've been playing uh, i've been playing drums for 20 years so probably just wired into it mm-hmm. uh but um you know if there's a specific cd i would have to say it was uh, jeff fox games rednecks play which was released <laughs> which was released in 1995 and it was so and it was a cd that i bought through one of those either columbia, columbia house or yeah. bmg and oh man i i listened to it again the other day it's still really hilarious i mean it's just one of those where it's just like you just tell funny stories that's it I, Th- I there you that. go bucking the um the social norms again you know playing hockey listening to jeff foxworthy you know it it very much plays into um the clip you have on your website of you know you get up on stage and you're like yep you may not be able to tell but i am mexican yeah yeah, jeff foxworthy it's funny and and like everyone in my high school so around that time chris rock was also big he had a couple scenes Mm -hmm. but i was still really big into jeff foxworthy and like still probably doing you know those uh you might be a redneck jokes way way after the uh the fad had uh yeah well and that but then he had that resurgence with the uh blue collar comedy tour as well yeah um yeah and then uh in college i i thought i wanted to do it so there's a so now i live just right down the street from the local comedy club rooster tea feathers but in college a buddy and i used to go there as soon as we turned 21 we used to go like every week and it's one of those where um, I thought I wanted to do it and just never got around to it. You know, got a job and, you know, life happened and just never got around to doing stand-up comedy. Well, until eventually. I was going to say until eventually. So yeah. what, what was it that you were like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go up on stage and I'm, I'm going to work a set. What, what was that moment? 
Well, actually, it wasn't uh, it wasn't specifically related to stand up comedy. So I mentioned the the childhood. Yeah. Um, so by so I had uh, just kind of become an office drone, just drinking to cope. And then so um, in December, so actually I was going to an Ottawa Senators game uh, and I made a drunk full of myself in front of everybody and just in front of everybody. So I made a drunk full of myself. But that was a weird day because I was thinking a lot about like some stars might have been aligning or something because all day I kept thinking about uh, in 2012, I did four out of eight weeks of improv comedy. Mm hmm. And it still bugs me because uh, they wouldn't move me up to the intermediate class. Um, so I guess that, like there was like some creative angst just bubbling up that day or something. And then um, I do remember the last bit of tequila that I had that day and then uh, <laughs> remember the pavement and all that. But uh, so by, you know, 2018, I you know, figured, did, you know, uh, did one of those stereotypical uh, New Year's, the resolution things, going to quit drinking. So did that. Uh, didn't really fix anything. Uh, <laughs> didn't really fix anything. But the one thing it did offer me was time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just, um, uh, I'm good with dates. I remember it was April, April 27, 2018. It was also because I was watching wrestling. And I don't know if you follow wrestling. And it was, um, WWF had a show in Saudi Arabia. What, it was a rumble. And one of the wrestlers, as he was running to the ring, tripped and then just fell under the ring. <laughs> so i just been replaying that and then there was just um just staying up trying to you know trying to waste time spend time and uh i somehow on reddit i found a, a, a comment about uh childhood emotional neglect and i don't know why it just clicked and i guess it's maybe because i just finally had time to to process things and then just from there google it and then it was just like an outpouring of creativity. So just learning more about that, uh, that felt like um, surviving a 12 round heavyweight bout, like literally just learning about it. Mm -hmm. And then, but the next two days, I guess maybe um, never thought of it, but maybe as a way to process and heal, all I did was just write comedy. Um, so uh, I think the first thing I wrote was either a joke about target because the joke about target was the first thing I ever told. Uh, but I think it might have been like just years of just backed up comedy <laughs> just started coming out. So I did this. So I started writing material that was just way, uh, just way out of my league, essentially. Like, like I, I hope I get to do comedy long enough to do some of the material that I wrote that weekend. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know when I'm going to get enough stage time to tell some of that material. Cause I, you know, one is a story about, um, basically how my life changed on an airplane coming back from New York. I used to work at a startup uh, in Sunnyvale mm -hmm. that did uh, mobile video in 2006, 2007. Mobile, you could download mobile video, stream mobile video across carriers. I mean, it was universal. Mm -hmm. And then in June of 2007, Apple comes out with a native YouTube app and that's pretty much it. Yeah, We have no chance against that. And then our... Uh, our startup neighbor that started after us was Lending Club. Uh, have you heard of Lending Club? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, just a few years after that, I was driving up to San Francisco on 101. I saw this giant Lending Club building and just like, ah. But uh, like all these little things happened this weekend. Um, and I have a whole story about it. And then also a story called The First Time I Got Hit by a Car, which was uh, 
real story about uh, a true story about Mexico, but it's a funny story about the first time I got hit by a car. And, um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's just kind of like this, this dam just burst open uh, that evening. So, and then, yeah, go you, ahead. you write the material, what, you know, what was it that motivated you that said, you know what, I'm going to go down to a club. I'm going to put my name down and I'm going to get on stage and tell some of these jokes so, and yeah. stories. Um, a group of friends had been visiting this, uh, this, this hall called Art Boutique in, in downtown San Jose. So it's like, think a uh, boutique and like tiki bar boutique. <laughs> and so they've been going there, just catching out acts and, and things. And uh, eventually they started doing open mics and then, I forget exactly how I got broke. So also at the time I hadn't been playing music because um, I was in a band, a uh, local band from 2004 to 2008. And that band kind of ended tragically due to cancer. Oof. And then, so I didn't play for about 10 years and then, so kind of got roped in. So I ended up sort of doing music open mics at Art Boutique. Uh, it's every first Thursday of the month. And then just also just watching people do open mic comedy. Mm-hmm. And just thinking like, I could do it better. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just one of those, like, may not be the best, but I could do better than that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so, um, so yeah, the end of April, I didn't, I didn't do the May one, but June 7, 2018 was the first time I did uh, open mic. It was also the day the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I, I like your memory of dates because because of the connections. Um, another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores just one point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, must be 21 or older, live in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I, I'm a fan of stand-up comedy, but I'm no comedian, and I know that. So uh, I, I've watched quite a few documentaries and whatnot about comedy. Big fan of Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians and Cars because they talk so much about the craft. Yeah. Um, and one thing I've learned is every comedian has those... Uh, other comedians say look to, you know, who is it that inspires you in comedy? 
Uh, currently, I would say uh, Gary Goldman. I don't know if you've heard of Gary mm-hmm. Goldman. Yep. Uh, he has uh, recently did a Great Depression tour. I, I just love his writing style, his presentation. I was a big fan of him. Um, it, it, he had a couple of albums, uh, but you know, just just the way he, he seemed very likable. I like the stories, but also once he did that, um, the 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 joke about the documentary on how states got abbreviated. I think that put him on another level and just mm-hmm. my respect for him just grew even more. Uh, Kyle Kinane's another one who um, um, kind of looks uh, at the world a little bit differently, but he also has a, a interesting way of, of framing things and also just funny, just mm-hmm. really, really funny. So say those two are my biggest influences right now, but overall Mitch Hedberg, Mitch Hedberg is still my number one. You know, it, it's funny because we're recording this, what a day or two after Norm Macdonald passed away. And it's yeah. interesting because when a comedian like that does pass away, you get stuck in that YouTube wormhole of watching their material. And then of course other comedians and it's like, Oh my God, he had such a style where I don't know if anybody else could do what he did just because no, it was no. so dry in the way he told stories. It, it, it was masterful. Um, and you didn't always understand where the hell he was going, but you knew you had to stick around for the ride because th- there was something coming. There was a hook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he had a comeback. Yeah. So I, yeah. Norm McDonald for me, it has been an interesting story because when he was on SNL, I, I didn't really get him. Mm-hmm. Me either. I, so at the time who, who was there before? Was it Sandler on weekend update? Uh, but but you know for like a teenager i I didn't get norm mcdonald right and then started getting into him with uh dirty work and then it's one of those where i just didn't really fully appreciate him so i started getting older and just learning more about comedy yeah and and now uh so on on facebook yesterday i posted you know i said you know here's two of my comedy heroes and it was uh norm mcdonald's uh last last set on david letterman's last show Okay. Which off the top of my head, if I remember correctly, was May 20th, 2015. <laughs> yes. I'll so take your word for it. Oh, like overall, you know, overall in comedy, like David Letterman is, is my comedy hero. Like uh, I'm worried now because he's you getting know, up there in age. David Letterman is a hell of a comedian, but he's almost a better interviewer than he is comedian. And that's, oh, yeah. that's saying something. Cause his, uh, what's that show he's got on Netflix? Uh, my next guest or something. Yeah. The, he is a fantastic interviewer. Uh, as somebody who was a journalist for a while and has interviewed a fair number of people, he, he has a way of asking questions and leading questions where he, he, he can see where there's room to dig and he, he, he gets it and gets people to feel comfortable with them. So, yeah, it, I like that you mentioned that because uh, I like to binge on his interviews with Tracy Morgan because um, he and Tracy Morgan, they, uh, on their show, they have an amazing, amazing chemistry. And mm-hmm. so, I, and I just like to think about like, exactly how is Letterman leading Tracy Morgan towards that question, that situation, or is he just letting him go? But I mean, it's masterful, like, which is Tracy Morgan. Maybe you just kind of let him go, but. It seems like a train wreck, but it just meshes into one really interesting story that just goes in various, various different directions. Yeah. But also, like, 
uh, he and Charles Grodin used to have that shtick where uh, uh, they were kind of mad at each other. Uh, do you ever seen those interviews? Like there was one where Charles Grodin, and like Charles Grodin was amazing in those where uh, he was showing off his, his photo collection and it was a photo of a horse and it was only part of the horse. And David Letterman goes like, is this part of a set? And then Charles, it, it, but just the way they played off of each other was, was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, uh, David Letterman, and Norm Macdonald, also two huge influences. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, but for me, Norm really started changing. He had that one CD, I forget the name of, but it was, it was, it was the, uh, the kidnapping story. I don't know if you remember the kidnapping story with Janice and the cheese sandwiches. And um, I vaguely it, remember it. Yes. But, but it has so many elements with shallow graves and the people mm-hmm. in the studio and the van. And he talks about, you know, um, you know, if you find out someone likes cheese sandwiches, you can, you can lure them to you with cheese sandwiches. Like you could tell them, you know, I have cheese sandwiches in the van, but you don't actually have to have the cheese sandwiches, you know? And so the story it just has so many, they talk, he brings up Janice's friends about how they talk, how they were, I mean, it's just, but it's one of those where it just finally kind of clicked for me, Norm MacDonald. What a genius. Yeah. It, I like one of his later um, uh, pieces. I think it's on Netflix where he, he talks about when he went skiing and they're talking about the powder being good. And he's like, Whoa, wait a minute. What? He didn't realize they were talking about snow. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah um so i know stand-up comedy is not for the faint of heart uh everybody i've talked mm-hmm. to that's tried it say the nerves are up there what is harder oh, yeah. stopping a puck or stand-up comedy um well and i mean just based on how i felt with at the beginning of each stand-up comedy easy and it's weird. All I have to do, like, you think about it. All you do is just go up there, talk to look mm-hmm. for a couple minutes, and then people are people are going to forget you pretty much mm-hmm. immediately. It's still uh, some of those early sets. I wa- I almost walked out of some of my early sets, like right before them. And then, so I did my first showcase. Um, the the local comedy club, um, at least before the pandemic, does a uh, monthly talent, like new talent showcases. So I signed up for one, and I remember standing right beside the little booth stage or uh, booth area watching the last comedian before me and seriously contemplating walking right the <laughs> hell out like i just oh yeah well in being a comedian these days can't be all that easy with cancel culture because like just one person in the room doesn't like you and you know they can do what they want to try and, you know, silence you. But I, I don't remember who it was that said, you don't go to a comedy show expecting to not be offended. You should be offended because yeah. we're, you know, th- that's the whole idea of comedy. You're telling jokes, you're making light of the difficult situations in life. Yeah, that's tricky because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no big time comedian, but I, I've definitely written material specifically i've written my material very specifically just in case someone has a question or something and mm-hmm. i've also just taken out lines and jokes like do, do i really want to have a conversation about this or something like that but but my, my material i write my material specifically i write it out um i, I have a journalism background actually i used to write for drum magazine uh here in san jose um so yeah um i'm, I'm very 
yeah, I guess maybe, I guess I should be more freer with my language, but I, I, I do write it more specifically, I guess, for uh, just for a more wider appeal. Whereas when you're in the locker room, you don't have to worry about that stuff. It's almost like uh, <laughs> the less so, offensive you are, the, the worse you are. It's like that so, you want to offend people. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I remember uh, one of my – we had added new teammates to um, – I don't know how much of a story I can say, but basically I was – I shouldn't even mention the race because I don't want any – but we were just roasting each other. Oh, yeah. Roasting each other, and then uh, – but I was roasting his – nationality and then but the new teammate he was also the same nationality and he was like you know i'm also so and so and like my face just dropped i'm like oh no and then he just started laughing like oh phew like that for a split second there i thought i had just offended uh someone in the locker room but but no yeah the locker room is is a different story um i haven't been in any pro locker rooms but um uh you know uh when the whole thing about uh locker room talk was out uh everyone was saying like oh you know I mean, I don't want to mention yeah. what, what it was about, but everyone's saying, isn't that what men talk about in the locker room? No, at least in yeah. beer leagues, people just talk about what they did that day and what they're watching. Yeah. And, you know, just basically the stuff they can't talk about at home. Yeah. The, the, the closest I've fallen to a hockey locker room is a firehouse. Yeah. Uh, Cause my dad was a fireman. So I, that, that's the closest I've fallen to a hockey locker room, but it's the same thing. It's you're picking on each other. Yeah, you know, locker room talk isn't like you said what what they thought it was in the news. It's you're picking on each other, yeah. and we've said it both in the locker room and at the firehouse. If they're not picking on you, that's when you have to worry because yeah. that's when you're not accepted. <laughs> so yeah. the meaner they are to you, excuse me, the more accepted you are. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, uh, now you're bringing back a lot of good memories from uh, when I used to, when I played very regularly at Sharks Ice. Um, back on during the Evite days, um, one of the captains on the team back when we used Evite, he gave me the login. So after everyone submitted their uh, their their status, I would go in and give each one a nickname before every game, and then a lot of the people wouldn't uh, notice their nickname, so they just walk in, just get roasted with a new nickname. But just, but just things like that. Just yeah. Just, just roasting each other it's fun it's good it's a good time yeah it, it is it's funny because those are the things we miss like with covid and the rink shutdowns and everything is like you didn't realize how much you missed skating in the game until you were able to go back but it was more of when we were able to go back to the locker room because here in minnesota they said okay you can skate but you can only arrive 15 minutes beforehand no locker rooms, you know, you got to come fully dressed except for goalies. And it's like, goalies were like, "Uh, excuse me, we can't come fully dressed. It's impossible to drive with leg pads on and a chest protector. And they're like, okay, you guys can come in 15 minutes early and get ready. But it was like, yeah, it was nice skating, but you missed that full hockey experience, not being able to have that locker room experience. But once the locker room was back, it was like, okay, now now it's right again so uh i was uh i don't know if you saw some of mike mike mckenna's tweets earlier today uh but he was talking about um how uh, pro goalies tend to not be goalies afterwards because uh, mm-hmm. just, it's not competitive enough yeah but I, I commented basically saying like wow so ba- oh that's basically you don't get you never get the full beer league experience like we play the same sport but it's completely different because yeah. like, uh for me you know if I lose it 10 to one, I'm not happy. But if, 
if I tried really hard and made a couple really good saves, like, yep. you know, all right. Well, you know, my, and my teammates are, you know, joke with me. It's a good time. Mike is playing beer league though. He's just skating he skates out. out. He skates yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually talking to him Monday about that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, which that episode will drop bef- the week before this one. So I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. I'm good. Um, so if you've listened to any of my episodes, you know, I end with a list of 10, not so rapid, rapid fire questions, right. <laughs> because this is where the stories really come out. So okay. the first one, I understand you didn't really play organized hockey mm-hmm. at the younger ages, but what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Coaching moments. Well, I've never had a coach. Yeah. Um, coaching moments. Well, I, I guess maybe I could all, maybe I could offer a, a alternate story where I, at the time I played uh, Narch silver in 2008. Um, so, so I mentioned the two rinks that I'd started playing roller hockey uh, in San Jose at the fairgrounds. So uh, there was a new, there's a new facility called uh, Silicon Valley sportsplex. I think that's the current mm-hmm. name, but it opened in 2007 and 2008, they had Narch there. And I, I didn't know you could just sign up to go play Narch. I thought it was one of those where, but there, there's division where you could just sign up. I, but I thought it was just one of those you had to qualify. Turns out we should have probably qualified. Um, but we played a team out of Toronto and we lose uh, eight to one. <laughs> like, I mean, right off the bat. And I, I was happy with my performance because we didn't get mercy. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, know if you, we, I don't know if you were ever in the goalie store forum, the GSBB. I th- yeah, I believe I was. There was a thread about Narch there, and the my the opposing goalie commented. And actually, so we kind of sort of met on the GSBB, and, we're like, oh, and he said I didn't play terribly, so I felt great. And then um, the second game, we played a team out of uh, Colombia. I said it that way because not Colombia, Colombia. Yeah. And I have to be very honest with you. I thought we were going to kill these kids. I thought we were. I mean, I thought we were going to mercy them, and that was that. I had to make a save, a breakaway save at the buzzer to preserve a 3-3 tie. So we're just getting worked. Mm -hmm. And then the third game was a team out of Toronto. And I'm confident that puck never hit me. Uh, Like literally, it was just like face off, win, pass. And maybe the the only time that puck hit me was when it was bouncing off off the inside of the net. Um, So uh, I guess that's like... uh, that's like my, uh, that's my high low light. <laughs> yeah. We all have those. No, I was kidding. Absolutely worked in Arch 2009. Yeah. So the next question, I think I might know the answer, but what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh man, that is. So I, I, I'm sure you wanted me to say Mike Richter. I was thinking it would be that. But I'm gonna do kind of sneak in like a like a uh, like a backdoor favorite, and I'm gonna say Mike Vernon's with the San Jose Sharks. That was a nice. One. It's a, because it's ve- it was very simple, and mm-hmm. to this day I still like very simple mask with just use just use the team's colors, mm-hmm. no shading. Yeah, very clean mask, and it was. Um, and I was looking at it earlier today, just kind of reminiscing. Uh, and it, it just, it's just a cool design. So uh, as a Sharks fan, I'm going to go with Mike Vernon's Sharks mask. Nice. Yeah. See, as a big Eddie Balfour fan, I hated that they traded him to San Jose, but I absolutely loved his look in San Jose. He, even when he still had the red Chicago yeah. pads, for s- somehow 
those red pads with the San Jose colors worked. But then when he got the teal pads in the teal mask, it looked even better. It was like, oh, it just looked so good with that, yeah. those colors. So it's funny. I actually had, so I wrote down a bunch of notes. I didn't know how the interview was going to go, but I have a bunch of actually some notes about what I remember from, from Belfour uh, from that 96, 97 season. So, yeah. so he had just gotten, so they had just gotten traded for Terrari, who at the time was a combo. I mean, he was all a combo wearing dork, but I never appreciated Terrari as much as I should have when he was here right. wearing he, his combo. He's one of the greatest backup goaltenders of all time. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so he got traded for Belfour. Belfour started the f- first game in Vancouver. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but there was a, there was this pre-recorded message from him where he just goes, I am ready. And it's not convincing at all. Even me at the time, much more naive. I was not convinced that he was going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, um, so I remember because uh, there was uh, a two-one. It was a weekend game. I think it was a Saturday afternoon game where he gets bowled over by Rene Corbet. Um, it finishes two periods. Kelly Rudy comes in for the third period, holds off the the the, the Avalanche, gets the win. So then Belfour's out for pretty much February of '97, and then he comes back with the teal gear. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that that run because he gets the first Shark shutout in about two years, beats the Senators two nothing. And then later on, a game in L.A., someone almost bowled him over, crashed into his legs, and this time Belfort was not going to have it. He just rained down a flurry of blockers on this king. And mm-hmm. I looked it up. He got, he got two roughing penalties. Yeah, he, he yeah. was known for uh, having a temper, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So then, but, but speaking of blockers, so the next year he gets traded to Dallas. The Sharks face Dallas in the playoffs, and the blocker makes appearance again because I remember Sean Burr runs into him in the crease, and then Belfour hits him, and then Burr kind of turtles. So Belfour looks for something else to hit, and then he just starts hitting him in the ribs. <laughs> And then later on, they interviewed Sean Burr. He's like, yeah, you know, he just worked. He worked the love handles a little bit. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I remember when I had him on uh, the podcast and asked him about the chirp. And he yeah. even said, yeah, m- most people didn't want to chirp me. <laughs> they, they knew it was coming if they did. Yeah. So uh, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Oh, the Shark Tank. Um, I've, gotten, I've gotten the fortune of playing there about... I, you know, so much that I've lost count. It's either nine or 11 times. Oh, nice. Uh, and I've gotten a shut. Actually, I got a shutout there. Um, a zero zero shutout tie on a strained MCL. Oh, boy. I, I've had one of those myself. Those aren't fun. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I got to play there a few times. But, you know, one of my biggest regrets now that I think about it was um, another one of my teams got a chance to, to do the Shark Tank a couple of years ago. And at the time I was out with... Uh, might have been the finger. I forget. There, there was a couple of years ago. I would just started to break down. <laughs> it was mid thirties. I just started breaking yep. down. And um, but I, I was healthy enough to go back up. And you know what? I didn't do. I didn't wear my backup towel. Oh, <laughs> that would have been a prime chance to just sit in the shark at in the bench at the Shark Tank yep. with a backup towel. You mentioned that um, the team I play on is mostly firemen. And I got a text last year, shortly before the world shut down. Um, the University of Minnesota was having a fireman policeman game at Mariucci Arena. 
uh, earlier in the day and then later in the evening, they, you know, they were inviting them out to the uh, game against, I think they were playing Ohio state and um, they didn't, it was very poorly organized. So my teammate sends me a text. He's like, Hey, you interested in playing? I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I, 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 but he follows up and he goes, I don't know if we'll need you. That's the problem. We don't know if they've got a goalie or not. It's like, Hey, that's cool. I'll come. If there's another goalie, cool. I'll watch you guys play. And he's like, okay. So we get there. The police have two skip, two players. One of them's a goalie and one of them's a player and the fire department. We had two goalies and enough guys to give the police department so we could play uh, I think it was four on four for 90 minutes, but th- the other two goalies are like, you came down here. Let, let's just do a three man rotation. So you better believe I had that backup towel on when I was uh, sitting on the bench, waiting my turn to come yeah, in. It's it was awesome. like, just had to bring it. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah, is if your... I ever get another chance? Uh, I'll definitely do the backup towel. Absolutely. I, I, I liked when, um, in goal magazine was kind of pushing the, the backup towel there yeah. for a while. I, I, I'm surprised they didn't have more uh, video content of how to properly roll it and tuck <sighs> it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what's your favorite stick that you've ever used? That is, Oh man. Uh, I've never really been into sticks, but I've had some favorites. Uh, there was a time I, I had one Montreal stick. Remember when Montreal sticks were around? Yeah. And I think I might have been a Kipper Pro return. You know, um, those were nice sticks. So, I, yeah, I like the foam core ones, but I, I still would have to say the first stick I ever used was a blue and white Felix Potvin coho stick. Yes. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, it was. I know it's just just a bit of it's just solid blue. Yep. I know the White stick you're talking letters, about. Yeah. yeah, I uh when I was in college we had some of them and they they were nice sticks. They they had a lot of flex to them. Yeah. There it was almost like a sponge. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and, then, and their second favorite though, there was a there was a phase in my early twenties where I thought it was like Colzig and Hextall <laughs> and then, literally someone punched at me at, in, in the hockey rink. I just went up against someone who could, could clearly whoop my ass and he did. Uh, but um, I had a, a Sherwood Ron Hextall. What is it? A 50 30. I think so. Yeah. I love that stick. Yeah. I, I remember hearing the stories about Hextall that he was the only goalie in the league that would check the flex of his goalie sticks when they came in. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons, he liked to yeah. play the puck, but uh, now I think every goalie does that. Um, yeah. But so- that, that, that Sherwood Hextall stick had presence. Just even just standing by itself. Yes, yes, it did. So I, I know you didn't play organized hockey as a kid, but you probably still have an answer. Us, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Uh, well, I have a lot of really fun memories just playing roller hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I was able to have my own sort of pro beach hockey moments. Uh, it. San Jose has these uh, outdoor, uh, I think it's just one Roosevelt outdoor rink, but at the time it was East West. Mm-hmm. And I was in the same group of guys that I played over at Rolling Ice. And I mean, it, it was kind of like a Sandlot crew because it was, you know, Pablo and Juan and Jose and Kai, who's Vietnamese and Aaron, who's from Eritrea. And 
Uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was kind of like my own hockey sandlot crew. And in summers, we'd go and play at uh, Roosevelt. Um, and so it's east-west. So for some of the games, depending on if they were in the afternoon, I'd wear shades uh, for these games. And, um, and we'd, yeah, we'd get into brawls, but not like full brawls. It was like everyone knows each other brawls. Yeah. It was so much fun. It's just so much fun getting in like to in it like innocent brawls on you know out on the rink. Yeah, and the, yeah. those were the brawls where you you weren't full on throwing fists, but no, it was just more a lot of the, grabbing. Yeah, the, the tying and, up and just yeah. trying to wrestle somebody down to the ground and yeah, then just, laughing about it. Just two fierce competitors playing for what seems like the most important thing in the world. But yes, just, yeah, I miss those. And then some of those nights we'd play at Roosevelt, and then we'd go play a regular. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I would, yeah, so when I was playing roller hockey, pretty much just nonstop, I would say those are some of my favorite memories. Just yeah. early on, learning how to play hockey and getting into gear and like progressing my gear, going from like Franklin gear to Vaughn gear, and you know, yeah, yeah. So, what is the best chirp you've heard uh, on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room, directed at you, not directed at you? Well, I was heckled one time. Uh, and so it's actually, I've been heckled twice. But this, the one time I was thinking was I had helped my parents move to Arizona, drove back. Um, and I was going to go watch my friends. So I just driven 12 hours. I was going to watch my friends roller hockey game. They didn't have a goalie. So I suited up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I'd not really in the mood, but I went and got suited up. First time I've ever been heckled. Like, I don't know why. But it just happened to be the I had just driven twelve hours, is not in the mood, mm-hmm. and I, I just start skating. I literally just got out and skated over him and just confronted the guy. And I guess he was not he was not prepared for that. And I just basically <laughs> just yelling at him, just giving him my honest thoughts. Like I just drove twelve hours. I'm playing you know roller hockey. I don't you know just I guess he didn't expect the goalie to end up a foot away from him, yelling back at him. So, <laughs> and then. Yeah. um in ice hockey, there was this one funny situation um, I got in where we were playing this one team, and it, it, some leagues have characters. Mm-hmm. This yep. guy was a character, and um, he slashed people. But it, the, the thing he did to me, I remember, was um, like I covered up the puck, and then he skated all the way around the net, and then he came back around, and then he poked, the, you know, my glove, and it's just really annoying things. But he eventually got kicked out of the game. But he stayed and he heckled me just because mine at the time was closest and I was the closest player and just kept heckling, heckling, heckling. Uh, And then I finally told the ref, like, you got to get this guy out of here. It's barely hockey. Come on. A few seasons later, some friends are starting up a team. Turns out this guy is on this new team. And I told (laughs) my friends, like, no, it's either me or him. So then there was a huge deal where uh, my friends had to convince their friends that I was not a diva. (laughs) <laughs> and then um first game immediately the guy gets a penalty like skates off two hand right across the shins and i was basically like what did i tell you yeah yeah it, it's funny you mentioned the heckling the, the only time i ever said anything about we we're playing it was my senior year we we're playing the blackhawks holiday christmas tournament uh it was up on the north side and because it was Christmas time, there were a lot of families at the, at the game. So not, not just mom and dad, but, you know, little cousins and whatnot. And there, there were these three kids from the opposing team. 
and uh, fans, not players, in their in the stands, and they're just shouting the whole game. And that I didn't care about, but it was more of what they were saying. Yeah. And so I, I looked at the ref and said, like, "Hey, you know, can you say something to those three? It, it's getting a little ridiculous." Expecting the ref just to go over there and be like, "Hey, guys." knock it off. Nope. Rough skates over there. He goes, you three out of here now. I'm like, geez, now they're going to think I'm, you know, some kind of, but it's like, no, I was just thinking, you know, a couple of my teammates had little cousins there. It was like, they don't need to be hearing this stuff. And no, that those in all three of them, they looked at me and they had a few choice words as they were leaving. Yeah. That that was the one, one time I remember. Yeah. The the best, uh, it's not heckling because they didn't heckle, but like, crowd moment was um i don't know if they're still around but uh there's a there was a new team called the Rac- the raccoons mm-hmm. uh raccoons one raccoons two and a good, good group of guys i thought maybe they took it a little too seriously because they you know they had a full uniform the get up everything they had a they had a water guy like they'd walk in with their jersey and a hanger like a little mm, too much yeah right? but we ended up playing them in the playoffs and they packed the stands Oof. with this is raccoons territory signs they did not heckle, and it, but it was really fun. This is the only time I've ever been really nervous before a beer league game. Like, oh, my God, what the hell? <laughs> we, we won, though, five to two, so I was all right. There's one team in our league. They're, the Money Shot is the, the name of the team, and they have three fans that come to every game. One of them is the mom of one of the players. Oh, no. Um, no, but she, she's, like, older, you know, just very much enthusiastic, okay. not mean or anything. And then um, – one of the other fans has special needs, so he's got his own jersey. Um, but it, it's just funny. You always know so, when you're when you're playing the money shot, you're going to have a few fans in the stands. Yeah. Um, it kind of gives you something to play for. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, oh, oh, I definitely got way more. That's the most up I've ever been for a beer league game. Because yep. I, I, at, <laughs> so when we won, I kind of lost my voice because I started yelling, um, this is stupid, but I started yelling, we run this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. So I'm going to change how I asked this one, you mm-hmm. know, because you mentioned you don't drink anymore, but what's the worst post-game beverage? Oh, uh, well, I used to drink a lot. Uh, <laughs> the worst post-game, well, do you mean specifically alcoholic or? Usually I ask what's the worst post-game beer, but uh, it could be anything. Well, if, well uh, my favorite used to be Widmer because uh, stand at the Shark's Eyes, and I, mean, I, I haven't made a declaration about whether or not I drink. I, I think it's just I'm waiting for a really big celebrations, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I have several worth it hangovers still left in me. You know, <laughs> I, I just don't want to do any worthless hangovers. You know, yeah. Um, but um, the bar Stanley's at uh, at the rink. Uh, it was really good. So uh, we used to do Widmer's. Hefeweizen all the time. Mm-hmm. That was our team's favorites, Whitmer Hefeweizen. But I don't remember specifically, but when they rotate some of those seasonal ones, and you could tell because there's a lot of like half pitchers still on the tables. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so um, it's hard to say because after a game, pretty much any beer is really, 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 mm-hmm. really good. Um, but when you get something like bitter and something fancy, it's like, no, just, just stick, stick the beer, beer, yep. B-E-R, B-E-E-R, how many E's in beer, you know, whatever. <laughs> it Don't, depends on how many you've had. 
Yeah, exactly. Nothing to beer. Yeah. We, <laughs> there was one game I, I was subbing for and somebody offered me a beer before the game. It's like, all right. Yeah. I, I don't mind that. And they handed me a stout, an Imperial stout. And I was like, okay. No, I was like, no, like that. No, yeah. I was like, that, that is not a pregame beer by any means. Yeah. Now, granted, I put it in my bag for after the game, yeah. but it was like, no, that that is not a pre, anything heavy like that is not a pregame, especially when it has double digits for the ABV, that yeah. is not a pregame beer for your goalie. Yeah. So, yeah, so I would say kind of going, playing off my, you know, being from California, I would say just pretty much anything that's not too West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so just stick to beer. After a game, yeah. you know, just let me traditional lager or pilsner. Yeah. Or something we like we that. could work our way back up to that, but like the first few, we should yeah. beer. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Um, I'm trying to remember how I tape my stick because it kind of <laughs> goes in phases. Um, because I used to, I always go from heel, uh, from um, from tip. What is it? Tip to heel. Heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, toe, to, toe to heel. But because sometimes I just tape the whole thing and you know overlap a lot. In the, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes I do the, and I, I don't have my sticks on me. They're in my shed. But sometimes I do, uh, I think maybe Vernon was the first one I saw do where he kind of leaves the, uh, the heel naked. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I start, I start from the toe. Okay. Should I start from the heel? I don't, I don't, fucking there's no real about. right answer. I, yeah. I would say most goalies go heel oh, to toe, but, but I, I, over, I overdo my, my, uh, my taping. Cause then, then number one, it's, it's not my stick handling is not going to improve anyway. Yeah. Um, the best I've ever gotten was when I learned how to do. So actually I didn't learn the Turco grip. I learned the Kipper soft grip. Okay. So the first person I ever saw do that was Kipper, not yeah. Turco. Um, anyway, so once I figured that out, I could, you know, get Same to talk here. about it quarter inch off the ice or whatever but so but i overdo my my so i just tape it uh wax get it nice but i also like to tape just a little bit of uh strips of white tape on the end of the of uh the tape job i don't know it's like my thing so are you a black tape guy and then the little strip of white around it or is it okay yeah a little little bit of style i like it yeah so what's your favorite number to wear and more importantly why 31 because of white flirty okay yeah, simple as that. 31 Wade Flaherty. My second choice would be 30 because of Bill Ranford. Another good and then, selection. But also, if I had to pick a non-traditional number, probably something like 73 or 72, which was uh, just a bus line that ran near where I was growing <laughs> up. Yeah. Nice. I like it. So the last question I asked everybody is, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Uh, that is a good question. What advice just, uh, I, cause I don't know when, from which direction to frame it, uh, in, in my thinking about myself as a young goaltender, goaltenders today. I, I usually frame it as goaltenders today. Um, try it out. I would say, uh, try it out as soon as you can, as soon as you get that itch, because gear is, uh, far cheaper now and more accessible than it's, than it's ever been. Uh, especially used gear. So I guess there's more avenues. So if you have the itch, you know, find ways to, to do it uh, because it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to meet a lot of really, really interesting people. But also I think, you know, if, even if you're just pursuing it, it, it uh, even as just a, as a beer leaguer, mix it up. Cause uh, I, even I burnt out just from playing too much beer league. 
And then, then like 2005, 2006, sold everything. Sold my, my pretty much all my gear. Didn't play for about a year. And uh, who was I listening to yesterday? Another goalie podcast. But I mean, it's it's a message that's that's been spread pretty often now. It's you know, you play, play other sport, skate out, or play another mm-hmm. sport as well. Don't just don't just do the goaltending. So you you gave up the sport, mm-hmm. but not for long. What brought you back? Quite honestly, I think it might have just been an offer on some RBK Premier pads at the GSBB forum. They're like, hey, you want to buy these for like 200 bucks? And it was pads, glove, blocker. I'm like, you know, I can get back in and, you know, fairly cheaply. And, and yeah, it, that, that might have been it. But also, um, I guess I just needed time off. But, but maybe at the time, I just didn't know how to, how to do it. Yeah. Because so the, my last game before that, I lost 10 nothing. And I remember I just skated right off. Like I just, it just, I was, I just felt burnt out. And yeah. uh, at the time I was also playing in a band. So I was trying to focus more on, on music. Yeah. I've, I found for myself playing in moderation is yeah. needed. You know, I get messages probably three, four times a week. Hey, do you want to skate? And younger me would have said yes to every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of like the league I'm in just, you know, every Sunday night, it's predictable. I know yeah. about what time I'm going to be playing. It's like, that's good. You know, if I can get one, one extra skate in a week, even better, but. Exactly. My usual night right now is Thursday at nine fifteen. Yep. Yeah. yeah I know. We're, we're Sunday nights at the super rink where they have eight sheets of ice. It's great. Yeah. And then now with the uh, youth leagues and high school leagues, just getting more popular, the beer league, you know, the adult leagues, uh, they get the worst times. Yeah. And I, I just can't get out for an eleven fifteen game anymore. Well, that, that's what I like about the league I play in. Like, so it's at the super rink where they have eight sheets of ice. So even with youth and high school and there, there's even a college that plays there in the U S women's uh, national team, that's their home practice facility. But uh, the league is run through the Minnesota wild. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget there's over a hundred teams in the league and they have different divisions, but they, they make sure that we get decent ice times. You know, we're not getting out there at 12 o'clock at night. I think the latest time is maybe 10 30. And yeah. you only get one or two of those a year. That sounds huge. Ah, oh, you might've taken uh, so Bree uh, for a while there, the, uh, the, the league at sharks eyes for, for, for a while was the biggest single league in the country. Yeah. But I mean, single league, I mean, I'm sure some rinks have various different leagues in there, but yeah. Uh, it, yeah. The, the super rink one, like I said, it's, it's put out into division. So it's because of that, it's probably not the biggest, but uh, it's definitely one of the biggest rinks in the world. I know that I, I think they're, I think the way they calculate it depends on who you talk to. Some of them do it based on how many sheets of ice they have. Others do it based on how much square footage of ice they have. And, you know, yeah. I just like, I think it's uh, 32 locker rooms is what the super rink has. I, I think that's kind of a uh, fun one to go off of is how many locker rooms do you have? Yeah. Last I checked, we were up to 12 uh, and 12 was the big one. Yeah. Um, Cause it, I think originally 12 was the first one for the sharks before they built the South, the exclusive South ring for them. But every time we got, we got uh, locker room 12, we felt like Kings. That's, that's yep. the big one. Yeah. There, there were a few of those um, in high school where it's like, yeah, we got the good locker room. Yeah. Um, now at, at the super rink, they're all pretty much laid out the same. It's for me, it's more of what sheet are we on? Because 
rink five is where Bethel university plays. Mm-hmm. So the ice is always really, really good there. Seventh and rink where the sharks. Yeah. I, I played um, in the which, same, which is the public, which is the public one. Cause I, the, the rink here is, is center and it's right in front of the doors. So that, well, there's a puddle. They're, they're all used for the public. It's just, you know, it rotates where, yeah. where it is. Usually the front four are used for open skate and figure skating. I, I don't think I've ever seen figure skating on the back four. Um, and then rink six is also the USA hockey rink, which is connected to the Herb Brooks training center. So that's always got some good ice. If you're on rink eight though, that's the worst sheet of ice in the house. It's like, how, how is rink seven and eight, which is right next to five and six, the two best sheets. How, how do you have the two best and the two worst right next to each other? I don't get it. It's going to be some valve men malfunction or something. Uh, I, I think they put the, uh, the Ricky Zamboni drivers on seven and eight. <laughs> I, think that, ring. I, I think that's the, the biggest one there because the, the one Zamboni they use for five and six actually has a, a GPS piece on there so that it um, makes sure the, cutting blade is level all the way around it's wow yeah it's it's pretty cool um but well i've taken up quite a bit of your time billy it's been it's been a pleasure yeah it's been fun talking i have a feeling there's more conversations in our future um so thank you for your time i appreciate it yeah it was uh so much fun i was uh nervous thinking uh like geez you want to put me on a podcast but uh it's always fun uh, talking to fellow goalies it's always uh yeah i mean it's just getting you know, uh, it's been a while since I talked to a fellow goalie, you know, for this long. So it's, it's, it's fun getting all those feelings again. Uh, it's a, it's a fun sport. It's a fun position and uh, can't wait to go put the pads on again. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's what I love about doing the podcast is just talking to different goalies, sharing stories. And, you know, it, it's funny when people are like, ah, it's nervous to talk to you is like why are you nervous to talk to me <laughs> you know it's a, not, nothing to be worried about it's just you had ed too, belfour on your podcast come on and kelly rudy kelly as, rudy, as yeah. a shark sharks fan you know, i had all yeah i had so we got to talk again because i have a bunch of kelly rudy notes from because kelly rudy was uh he played his last two seasons yeah we had mike vernon here and i was going to talk about first time i saw nabby and yeah, so I, I was there for Kipper's first win. And so actually, um, if we talk again, we should talk about the I was a usher at the Shark Tank for four years from 98 to 2002. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was yeah. there talking to Jason Parker of staff operations when he noticed that Sharky got stuck. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. So talking about Kelly Rudy with the Sharks, when I was talking to him about his iconic blue headband, um, by the time he made it to the Sharks, he's like, I, I was tired of the thing. I didn't really want to wear it. But his kids are like, but dad, it's it's your look. So he's like, I just, I wore it because I had to, not because yeah. I needed to or wanted to at that point. Um, hey, Don, Don Cherry uh, remarked about it in one of the videos. Uh, yeah. yeah better no, wear it for Don Cherry, at least. Kelly was uh, awesome to talk to. Um, he promised that once things open up and the job gets him traveling again when he's in the Twin Cities uh, for a wild game we're getting together so i'm gonna hold them to that sweet yeah so awesome. well thank you again it's been a pleasure thank you joe stay out of trouble all right i'll i'll try <laughs> okay all right take care it was fun talking to billy i still don't know how he hasn't come up with the joke about being a mexican stand-up comedian who also plays goalie 
but who knows? One may be in the works now. All joking aside, I love hearing the stories of how hockey players, not just goalies of different backgrounds, wind up playing the game and loving the game. Be sure to follow Billy on Instagram at the Ramirez Report and on Twitter at Billy Ramirez. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to click the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, be sure to listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the league. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and a revolving door of other co-hosts. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many of us here, but shows like the Not Another Leafs podcast, the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and the Blackhawks on Ice podcast are all found. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'll be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.